Everybody stop what you're doing, please. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is no better show on your radio. This is Around the House with Eric G. Where's the hammer? From your back fence to the sidewalk, Eric will tell you how to keep it all in tip-top shape while helping you save a buck while doing it. If you like DIY projects, it takes a lot of practice to get good at it. And Eric is here to guide the way. Is it on the, uh, go up on the other floor. Somebody go up there and stop the hammering. All that and more on the fastest two hours of home improvement radio. These are the wrong plans. These are the old plans. Welcome to Stop It! Around the House with Eric G. Welcome to Around the House there, Eric G. This is our Pro Insider Special. This is our new show. It's going to be happening every single Thursday. I want you to take a listen to. This here is going to be where we talk about the construction, residential construction, kitchen, bathroom design, all the different stuff of your residential home for all the people out there that are working in the trades. Maybe you're a contractor, maybe you're a designer, maybe you're an architect, maybe you're all three. This is going to be for you. Well, we've got a special one here for episode number one. My interview with my friend, Walt Tamala, TNT General Contracting. Let's get out to Walt. Thanks for having me, Eric. How are you doing, my friend? Good, good, brother. I know these are some crazy times out there. I know we're all, you're, you're on the East Coast, I'm on the West Coast, but uh, we're all kind of managing to survive at this point. Absolutely are. And uh, it's definitely strange in different times uh, for all of us. And uh, I think, uh, you know, it's just uh, one of those things where, um, you know, the world just tells you to step back and, and uh, refocus a little bit on, on family, on health and everything else as it's going on around you. And it gives us a chance to, to, to relook at our businesses and how we're operating as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's um, it's different. It's uh, times that I've never been through. But at the same point, uh, you know, I think I'm really, really enjoying the part of the refocus for me and to be able to stop for a minute and hit pause and kind of look back and go, OK, what are we really doing here? If you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So what do you what's going on in your world out there for contracting, man? I mean, you've you've got so many different projects that are going on out there that I really that I really appreciate. I mean, you you have your hands in so many different things. Let's talk about your business for a second. Just kind of what what you tackle out there. Sure, sure. So TNT General Contracting, we've been around for 27 years now. And um, when I started off, I was doing screen doors and <clears throat> window installs and roofing and such. And I realized that when times got tough and the economy was up and down, wherever you went, however you looked at it, um, some essentials just were always there. So they've stayed a part of our building process at all times. So the windows, the roofing, siding, um, interior work, bathrooms and kitchens and such. And we do a good deal of remodeling. It gives us a chance to, to, to relook at our businesses and how we're operating as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's different. It's, uh, times that I've never been through, but at the same point, uh, you know, I think I'm really, really enjoying the part of the refocus for me and to be able to stop for a minute and hit pause and kind of look back and go, okay, what are we really doing here? If you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, what do you what's going on in your world out there for contracting, man? I mean, you've you've got so many different projects that are going on out there that I really that I really appreciate. I mean, you you have your hands in so many different things. Let's talk about your business for a second, just kind of what what you tackle out there. 
Sure, sure. So TNT General Contracting, we've been around for 27 years now. And um, when I started off, I was doing screen doors and window installs and roofing and such. And I realized that when times got tough and the economy was up and down, wherever you went, however you looked at it, um, some essentials just were always there. So they've stayed a part of our building process at all times. So the windows, the roofing, siding. Um, interior work, bathrooms and kitchens and such. And we do a good deal of remodeling. Uh, we probably do 20 to 30 exterior projects every year from outdoor living to uh, exterior uh, repairs and such. Um, and then we do probably 20 interior remodels. Um, we also do new construction. Um, we have a development going on in Southwick of 72 homes that were one of three uh, builders uh, on this uh, uh, program. And then we also do commercial work. Uh, we love restaurants and such. So, uh, again, I wanted to be diverse so that no matter what part of the industry got impacted, I still had an avenue for revenue to be coming in and to keep all my employees busy. That's so you're awesome. right. We've, we've got a lot of things that are going on. And it's funny to see how each one of those areas are impacted here in Massachusetts anyways. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's wild. You know, when you're out in Massachusetts, of course, I'm out here in Portland, Oregon, but there are so many things that are happening that are similar right now in our worlds. And then there's other states like Michigan and Washington that are, that are much more shut down, you know, uh, what's going on, but enough about that. Really? What's, what are you seeing in building technology right now? I mean, you and I both, how we know each other is we both speak on the stage and all these, these different, uh, you know, remodeling and building shows across the country, but, and we get to go hang out and do our thing and, and have a good time with the team. But, you do a lot of stuff like, you know, at the IBS stage this year, you were down there, you know, working with a bunch of companies, but primarily you were on the uh, DuPont stage, which was cool. Yeah. So we do work with a, a few different manufacturers as far as the research and the development. And it's all about, you know, building better products that make uh, the buildings we build uh, better and more efficient and healthier uh, more comfortable for the clients uh, at the end of the day. So you're right. The technology that goes into all of this uh, and the way that we've changed our building process um, over 10 years ago is just unbelievable. Uh, having the opportunity to, like you to go and, and speak and, and to work with other contractors all over the country and all over the world uh, to, to share that information, I think is really key. But DuPont uh, was great in hiring me in there at IBS uh, we talked about uh, some drainage uh, mats and everything else that are, are new to put on the outside of the house. Uh, again, um, more breathability, drainability, the 4Ds, yep. just making sure that, you know, these houses and all these amazing products we're putting into them, you know, whether it's a $10,000 front door, $2,000 front door, you know, $20,000 worth of siding uh, and such, you want it to last, you know, the limited lifetime and, and the 30, 40 years and such that, you know, these manufacturers are recommending they will. And by putting and designing the right system together to make sure all those components work well together is the only way to deliver that. And, and that's really what our focus is here is making sure that, you know, once we do it, we, we, we touch it once we do it right. And, you know, our clients, you know, maybe we're not going to get callbacks. Maybe we're not going to get another job immediately down the road, but we're going to get a referral yeah. and that referral means everything. What's funny, so, you know, I left uh, on that Friday from the Builder Show, drove over to see my uh, buddy Scotty in Riverside, and then drove up and met um, my architect buddy, uh, David Applebaum, who um, 
we met via the show actually which is hilarious and he's architect for the stars so he's done and he's been on the show before but he's done all these things from you know uh frank sinatra's house to bob hopes to cuba gooding jr and all these different celebrities that he's worked with and across from his condominium there was these three homes in southern california being built townhome type situation and it was the weirdest thing because they had built them with literally four inches between each building well, you know the challenges of building stick frame stuff when you're four inches between the building. How are you going to get siding and stuff when you tilt the next wall up? You know, and it was interesting, but I was watching how poorly this building was being constructed as far as the framing was great. But I pull up out front and I see windows installed, OSB around the whole exterior. They had wrapped little pieces of house wrap around in the windowsill. And it was sticking outside the window, maybe four inches. And it was just roughly stapled up there. And that's all there was. There was no house wrap on the outside, but they had just kind of wrapped around the windows, put the windows in. And I could, I'm looking at it going, man, this, you could already tell this thing was already going sideways and they hadn't even started any siding project yet. And there's not really a good way to save it. No. And the scary part about that is, you know what? Okay. So that home wrapper or, or whatever type of wrap it was, you know, it, it's protruded and it's stapled off and maybe it is good enough just to last for four or five years before, you know, it starts wicking all that water and moisture back into that assembly. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, as well as I do, after they're done delivering that building, you know, everybody gets to live there happy or thinking they're happy for the next four or five years before any signs of anything major happen. Yep. And then we're going, hey, now we got a, a really big problem, you know, because depending on what the exterior cladding is going to be, you could be millions of dollars into the repairs on that thing. Oh, yeah, especially when they do that, you know, and, and it's Southern California. So you're going to see stucco or something going mm -hmm. on the outside of that. And then the water is going to get around those windows. And, and, and now the rot process begins. And now that's where they see that $2 million fix on the outside of the buildings. And it's crazy, but it's. For me, it's interesting. Like in Oregon here for building code, we have a very strong building codes division and all of that flexible flashing and stuff is something that is part of the inspection process here. And, oh, that's fantastic to hear. Yeah. I wish yeah. everybody was like that. Could we just have a uniform code across the entire country? Yep, we should. And the cool part is too, is that that are like, for instance, if I was going to be a contractor and I'm not, but if I was going to go out and get my contractor's license, it's a state run, it's the Oregon Construction Contractors Board, and they require every two years, every year, two years, I can't remember which, to have like eight hours of continuing education. Well, if you're a granite installer, they still force you to learn about water intrusion and the right way to do those connections because that's part of the flat, everybody has to learn this as a contractor. And water intrusion is one of their big things because, you know, we do get some rain over here, but it's interesting to <laughs> see that. And then, you know, I deal with other states and I don't know how it is in every state out in the East Coast, but like I was in uh, Eastern Pennsylvania for the ideas show out there and I'm talking to guys there and they're like, well, we don't really have much of a state license. It's your contractor's license is through the city or township that you're working in. Oh, wow. And I'm no, like, wow, that's we're wild. Fortunate. We're fortunate in Mass that we have the same scenario as you do. Is every two years, your license needs to be renewed. You have to have 12 hours. And it's mandatory that half that time uh, be in a classroom setting. So you can't just be sitting there clicking a button at a computer, hoping that you, you've waited out the time lapse or whatever. 
Yep. Um, so again, um, Massachusetts takes it very serious, uh, which is good. But it took probably seven or eight years for us to get that through legislation and passed. I know, and, and you know, I do. I, 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 I'm, I'm troubled in my own and torn a little bit with this stuff because there's many times that I look at it that I'm very torn. That I'm like, oh, I hate to have all this stuff, but I'll be, I'll be honest. After watching. When you get into areas like California and stuff, who is like the regulation capital of the world, they still haven't figured that out yet. Right, right. Well, there's all, there's always stuff to learn and and to improve on, and I think the key is as long as we're always moving in the right direction and forward, right? That and you know, and and I think that continuing education stuff helps because you know, let's circle back to Dupont for a second. I mean, look mm-hmm. at how far they've gone in ten years. You oh, know, it's, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, they were just kind of like, okay, it's the Tyvek people with tape, and then all of a sudden they've gotten into, you know, you've got all the straight flash products and all the different stuff, you know, all the all the different, you know, roofing underlayment, yeah. you name it, uh, everything to to get to almost a whole house warranty, you know, an envelope warranty. And I think for Which, contractors out there, that's super important, and. What do you think? I mean, I've seen this too, and I wanted to get your take on it because you know you're an expert in the field with this. I always, I see, I get out to job sites sometimes, and you know, you get contractors that are they're shopping at the lumber yard, they're shopping at Lowe's, they're shopping on Home Depot, Ace Hardware, True Value, and you you show up out there, and there's not one system being used. They've got this brand of of house wrap and this brand of flashing, and it's like. Always makes me a little nervous when you start mixing in different brands. I, I to me, I almost want to go, man, stick with the system and go. You're one hundred percent spot on as far as the, what my thought process is as well. And it's it is frustrating, and you get it. You understand that, hey, you know what? You're in a job site in one town, and your local lumberyard maybe three towns away mm-hmm. that stocks the same system. And and we'll use Dupont for an example, but you know, I've got straight flash, and I got the flex wrap for my windows and such, and I maybe I'm using the drain wrap. Um, and I'm going to put an exterior dowel board or, or a rock wall on top of it, you know, depending on if I'm doing vapor open or vapor close. But the reality is once you change and you take and you run out of that Tyvek tape just for our seam tape for our our house wrap itself for the drain wrap, you know, and then you look at it and you're like, ah, you know what? Well, um, I, I know that the local lumberyard right here stocks Tipar. So I'm just going to get some Tipar tape because it's still the same acrylic tape, right? What's the big deal? Maybe hopefully it's all made by 3M or wherever. The reality is maybe it's not, you know, exactly. and maybe there's a chemical in there that's going to start to eat away any kind of, um, you know, adhesion uh, that it would get and bond to this other type of product. So sticking with the same system is the only way to guarantee that it's going to be done right. And you can sleep well at night knowing it. Um, And I think that's the piece that we forget about is just some guys out there, they want to do the right thing, but it's just too much to to have all that stuff in stock or to go that extra mile uh, to grab the the same product. So anybody listening, I hope that if you do, order a couple extra rolls. Your lumberyard will take it back. Don't worry. And if not, you'll use it on the next project. Yeah, just stock the van up or truck or whatever and have it there. And it's it's the same theory to me as if you're doing shower systems, if you're if you're jumping down the, the Schluter system or the Weddy system, just own that system and go with it. And then if you have a problem, you can actually address it with the manufacturer. One, if you had some kind of warranty. Two, if you had some kind of installation mishap that you didn't catch, if you've got a problem, 
you're guaranteed to have finger pointing because the first thing any rep is going to do is when you insert another brand into the mix, they're going to go, well, that wasn't meant to go there. Yeah. Yep. Completely defeats our install guidelines. So therefore uh, you're on your own. Yeah. And when you're on your own, you're, you're, you're on your own. There's no big company helping you out. And, uh, you know, you're, you're voted off the island at that point as far as helping get that problem solved. And so, well, and think about that, at that point in time, your client confidence level, when they're looking at you going, oh, so the manufacturer's out here and you didn't install it right, or you didn't use their products, even though our contract said you were going to use these products. You're in trouble. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's yeah. next phone call Lost you make is your insurance agent to see if you can get some help. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 the insurance bailout, please. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, that's the, that's kind of where that goes. And it's, it's, it's such a, it's such a simple, bad mistake that happens in contracting that I think, you know, I mean, and, and where you think, oh, it's just tape. It's not going to mix up. But think about years ago, you know, and you, I've run into this. I'm sure you've run into it more than I have, but you know, you see people that put the cedar siding over the 20 year old Tyvek and then you pull it back mm -hmm. and see how those didn't work well together. Yep. You know, and in the early days, some people didn't understand or follow the directions of how that was going to work together or not work together. And things degraded because, well, you needed to have a different product back there. Absolutely. And I mean, the cedar, I mean, I see it all the time on the coast and everything else, right? You know, Tyvek has a 56 perm rating, so it's very breathable, which is great, you know, but with wind driven and everything else and that cedar direct applied, you know, it would have been a really nice process to put a drainage mat on top of it. And then you would have no issues whatsoever. Yep. When you go to pull that cedar back, you would be pristine and probably look darn close to the way it went on 20, 30 years before. Yeah, and and now I, I'll defend a lot of people. There wasn't a lot of those products twenty years ago, but at True. the same point, you know, now if people out there that are doing that exterior work do their research, you know, I mean, they have this thing called YouTube that <laughs> you can <laughs> find some good information on if you don't have anybody, you know, because we have people to listen all across the country, and and maybe they're not going to make it to these shows, but to learn. But I think that's where. You know, you can really help from a builder remodeler point of view. You can really set things up where where you're going to be successful and have a product that you're not getting called back in four years or you're dealing with an angry customer because they've they've got multiple failures around the exterior. And now they're looking at you going, we expected you to do it right. That, and we have so many options now, right? I mean, like you talk about in the YouTube, I mean, if you jump on that funny little thing called Google, you can find 10 different systems that work well. Yep. And just pick the one that you're most comfortable with, whether it's Henry Blue Skin, it's a zip system, you know, a Typar, Tyvek. I mean, there's so many different options and so many different install guidelines that, you know, one may better suit you and the way you build over another. Absolutely. And especially the climate that you live in, right? That's uh, a big part that, of it. That's a huge piece. You know, if you're dealing with high winds and everything else, you know, maybe the home wraps and everything else aren't the best option. And maybe doing a zip system or a, a self-adhered makes more sense. Yeah. Over here in eastern Washington, my brother's a school teacher in the Yakima School District over here. And that's, uh, for you, point of view, that's, uh, you know, four or five hours, uh, four hours east of uh, Seattle up there. So it's okay. on the desert side. Well, they did this school remodel probably five or seven years ago. And I think if I'm going out of memory, it's like Eisenhower High School in Yakima. So the architect 
specified this cool art wall because they have to have so many pieces of art and public displays over there. And so they did this cool art wall that was a metal that had this kind of blued iridescent finish to it. And they did this tall, big wall to make it look really cool that kind of matched the school colors, which was beautiful. The problem was, is the architect hadn't thought through that in the 110 degree summer that the surface of this metal was going to get hot and they had directly had you know, a product, I don't know what brand it was, but let's, let's call it, it's one of the, a flashing product like straight flash or one of those that was back there where you've got a, this would had the, the tar layer. Well, the problem was, is after a couple of years, when the kids would come back to school, there was a layer of tar on the sidewalk below it because it yep. was getting up into that 175, 180 degree temperature where it was melting the waterproofing product behind it. And oh so they God. had to spend, a, you know, I think a cool million dollars to get that taken care of. But, yeah, I mean, the, 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 they waterproofed it correctly behind it, but didn't think of the climate and what the material was going to be. And they just didn't have the right waterproofing membrane back there. And even though it was done correctly, it wasn't done correctly for the climate. Yeah, there's many a times when we're working on a commercial project uh, with uh, commercial architect and such where we're here like, all right, we work from uh, the finish to the beginning, you know, because mm-hmm. that's going to dictate what the system is that we're using. Um, same with some of our homeowners around here. It's like, what your what's your final exterior cladding going to be? Is it a cellular PVC? Is it a hardy panel? Is it uh, cedar clapboard? You know, still on the coast, you know, up in um, Nantucket and Cape Cod, we're still doing a lot of cedar shake. So sure, it's like, it's beautiful. What, what will this be? Because that depends tremendously on, on how we design that system behind it. See, in my house, it's going to be an interesting one because I've got a lot of different projects I'm doing. We just bought it. So it's 1977, you know, two by four construction. It has a, um, you know, just a R11, you know, insulation in the walls and, uh, you know, two by four, 16 on center. And the outside siding and a lot of it is T111. And it's right over the steps. Okay. So, so you got a fun project uh, coming up. You know where it's yeah. You know where I'm going to that. It's got some tar paper that they put over the studs, directly yep. over the studs, and then hit the uh, hit that. But you know I've got 1977 T111 on the side, and I've got a lot of work to do on this thing because I'm not just going to recite it. I'm going to be doing windows anyway. So now I'm like, I gotta I gotta really think about how far I want to take this because being a contemporary styled house. In mm-hmm. some of my areas, I only have a four-inch overhang, Oof. so I can't really, I can't really pop out and, and put rock wool out there, or you know, you see where I'm going at that. So I've got a lot of different yeah. choices to do on how far do I want to push this, and we're a moisture-heavy area. I mean, I'm in I'm in Portland, Oregon, so we have, you know, five months of rainy. And it's it's something that I've got to take into account. We don't get that cold. We don't get that hot. You know, I mean, we can get like this year, we didn't get below probably 25 for two days. You know, that's not bad then. I mean, so, so you're just dealing with bulk water management. Yeah, for the most part. absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and so but I want to get the house a little more tighter, too, while I do it. So I'm going to have some challenges with that. But that's that's some of the stuff that we run into here. You know, you guys have more traditional overhangs in many cases. Uh, and so it's you've got some room to work. Some of our Northwest contemporary homes have no overhangs at all so now you've you, you've got to deal with the roofing system just as quickly as you do the wall systems when you're trying to deal with this stuff 
Absolutely. We, we've done that for the longest time, working with capes around here. Yep. Uh, just the fact that they were built with no overhang. And you're like, even if you try to go and do a, like a reside, um, you're like, man, I want to at least pad this out with some insulation boards so everything lays flat or we're stripping everything all the way down, yep. uh, which is how we prefer to do it anyways. But there's a lot of clients out there that don't have the extra 2500 to $3,000 to strip the entire house. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's not what they're looking for. And sometimes they're not our clients, right? You know, you'll find sure. somebody down the road that will do that. Um, but the reality is that means somebody's dealing with that house and just throwing a bandaid over the top of everything to make it look good. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. We find, we find that we deal with those roofs, uh, right away and we usually insulate the roof, uh, from the exterior and yep. then the outside wall from the exterior. And then we'll put sleepers and build overhangs on top of it afterwards. But as you know, Eric, that gets costly by all means. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at here because my next project, I think, before I do siding is going to be roof. And I'm going to extend those out a little bit. And then because uh, I've got kind of multi-angled roofs on this house, I don't have a – the only real standard what I'd call truss system is my actually my garage. And everything else is is – it's almost like little boxes with angled pieces of roofs on them that are single sloped, you know, and, and it's not your typical – intersecting type roof system. So I've got all these flat planes, which makes it a lot easier if I'm going to insulate above that and extend out my eaves. I've actually got some some room to do that architecturally so I can actually then deal with the siding and the insulating from the outside correctly. Well, at least it sounds like you got some decent options in front of you. Uh, you know you know the story, though, that a lot of these, they're, they're, there's a lot of them, but I'm going to have to do all of it to make those options work because I can't just do one. Right, right. Absolutely correct. So what are you seeing out there as far as, um, you know, you're building some new homes as well, aren't you? Yes, absolutely. We have two in the process right now, which uh, uh, we haven't slowed on those at all. Um, the joy of being small, I, I know the commercial guys, you got 30, 40 guys on the job site and everything else. And and uh, in mass, we're still essential in uh, workforce, so we do get to work. Uh, I know you said uh, out there, you know, one side um, – shut down completely and in your area construction still is uh viable but uh yeah the new homes we haven't stopped on at all because we're smaller crews there's only three or four guys out on the job site and uh we're just managing it with safety protocol and such uh but new construction other than people not coming out to see model homes or or you know searching anything other than online um you know we haven't seen anything change there but um, the remodels and everything else we've definitely seen come to a halt. All the kids are home. So as much as people love to have us there, uh, they don't want to interrupt their lifestyle as it is right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I think right now would be a good time if you were a heating air conditioning contractor or maybe a crawl space focused contractor, it might be a good time to be out hitting, you know, cause you're home. People aren't coming inside your house so much. You know, right. in many cases, you know, at least out in our area out here, you've got a lot of their HVAC systems are in attics, basements, crawl spaces, and garages. So they're not so much in a living area. So if you had that, man, it'd be a good time to get those service work done or a crawl space clean out where they're not inside your home. You know, your home, you can be working from home and people can be doing stuff and you could probably get a pretty decent deal keeping people busy right now out there as well. But other Absolutely. than that... Yeah, I don't want people crawling through the middle of my house either. I get it, you know. No, I get it. it, it 
completely understandable. And, you know, again, with mini splits and everything else and technology changing in that realm, uh, a great opportunity. Because look at you're drilling, what, a three-inch hole through the, the wall to put that head in and everything else? Yeah. Minimal impact on the inside of a house. So you're right. You're, I think you're spot on with that. It's a, it's a great time for the HVAC uh, companies out there. You know, and 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 if you're doing it correctly, you could be uh, getting around those rules a little bit too. If you've got uh, somebody that has a system that's not working correctly, uh, most of these areas that I'm seeing are allowing those kind of installations to happen. And if you're getting somebody kind of back up and running, so uh, those emergency repairs, I know, in, in at least Washington where they shut it down. Yeah, contractors can be working if there's uh, immediate structural defect that needs to be changed or, you know, you've got Mm -hmm. heating, electrical, plumbing, that kind of stuff that they're trying to keep moving so people can live comfortably. The the other area that I see um, and the joy for us about at least when this impacted all of us is that spring is here, right? So we have a lot more outdoor projects. Sure. Um, I don't know about you guys, but the landscaping, outdoor living, Um, I'm going to see more of those type of calls coming in because they're not outside right now anyways. So if we're outside, it's fine. As long as they can use it when the warm weather is here consistently, uh, then they're going to be all for it. And it's going to be space for their families to be using uh, and enjoying while they're home. You know, that's a topic that I was literally just talking to somebody else that we know uh, earlier, just an hour ago, because to me, one of the hot topics, I think, for 2020, 2021 is going to be outdoor living and controlling your environment outside. So what I mean by that is, for instance, you know, in Portland, how do you keep it warm and dry so you can use it more often? Um, You know, if you've got a windy area, how do you control that wind? You know, those kind of things. I think that is, one, your least expensive square footage addition you can do to a house. And two, I think people really going to start thinking about, okay, the next time this happens, how better are we off? I think you're spot on. There's no doubt about that. And I think the, the reality of um, the cost impact, you know, when you're using pavers and such, or even a deck, a deck's a little more expensive. Sure. Um, but at the end of the day, you have just, you gain so much usable space. And where do we want to be? Uh, we want to be outside. We want the fresh air. You know, everybody's going to go through this entire time and think about, you know, having dealt with windows closed and, and poor folks that have been quarantined are going to be like, no, I definitely, definitely don't want to live like this again. So I think you're, you're right on with that. And uh, that's going to be a great seminar and session that, that uh, uh, you guys teach on that. Oh, yeah. And one question for you, too, is how, you know, this is kind of an interesting one for all the contractors out there. What are you doing during these times? Um for marketing and getting yourself out there, because as we know, this is, I think it'd be a lot different than we were like in 2008, 2009, where we had a, a serious kind of, you know, crash down of the market versus a, you know, this is almost a natural disaster type of thing where I think the rebound is going to come a lot quicker. What are you guys doing out there to stay in the mix? You know, I think what I've seen a lot of contractors around here do, and we're, we're a little different, right? Because, uh, you know, 27 years in business and such, we don't do a ton of marketing because most of our business is referral-based. Sure. Uh, and those referrals are still going to come in. Uh, they're probably going to be slower and everything else. Um, you know, the phone's definitely not ringing off the hook, you know, with 10 or 15 calls a day like it normally is. Um, but 
it's all right. Everything's slowed down. So we'll ride this wave just fine. But what I do see a lot of folks out there doing, and I think is really important, is just reaching out to the community, you know, at the physical distance, the socially acceptable one, but just letting people know that you're there to help, yep. you know, and that you're still, you know, participating and, um, you know, vivid in the community uh, and just be seen out there. Uh, I had one contractor that I saw the other day. He just did a little Facebook post and said that, you know, um, before the quarantine or, or the, the stay in place was issued, that there's a lot of people that didn't have daycare. Yep. His, his wife is a stay at home mom. They have a huge yard and uh, she's been certified as far as daycare way back when, but just didn't use it. Nice. So he's like, listen, if anybody needs help, you know, I'm not saying drop your kid off every day, but if you need help, just give us a call. And I nice. think that's the kind of stuff that really hits home and, and reminds everybody that you're a good business and that uh, if you're if you're really in need of any kind of home improvement, that maybe this is one avenue or one type of person because they've reached out in a different fashion. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, one of my sponsors of my show here in Portland, uh, Pyramid Heating and Cooling, did something that they posted up on Facebook this last week. And I was like, way to go, guys. They had this gentleman... Um, uh, I, I'm going to guess that he was in his 90s, you know, mm -hmm. and I could be wrong. Maybe he's in his 80s, but I thought maybe 90s. But long story short, this guy had him and his wife had no hot water for four days. Oh, my God. And so they went out and he couldn't afford for the full meal deal to get the water heater done. So the two guys came out there. The two installers went out there on their own time afterwards and installed it for him. And yep. so he just had to pay for the water heater. And I'm like, okay, there we go. That's the stuff that we, that's the good stuff that we should be doing out there to get people lined up and, and just being quite frankly, good neighbors. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Correct. We did a, a quick little thing, um, two weeks ago, Habitat for Humanity had reached out and said that, you know, they're volunteers because of uh, the numbers, you know, not being able to be on a job site, you know, you just couldn't, they couldn't hold the, the crews and everything else and get the work done they needed. So, you know, I talked to the team and they're here like, yeah, you know what, we're happy to go out and give a couple days uh, when we have some downtime here and just jumped on and, and helped the family that was already existing with, a, with a, an issue and then jumped on a new construction and helped there as well. Yeah. Uh, and those are the things I'm talking about. Like you just said, I think that's the right terminology is good neighbors. Just yeah. just be there for each other. And then my, my other point that I want to make to people out there that are in the, the construction and modeling business is if you are in that, uh, maybe not in that 27-year-old company that's fairly established, but if you're at that newer company and you're really concerned, I always, I look back at my most successful growth times of businesses that I've had in the last 30 years my biggest gains were made during times like this. Mm -hmm. Getting out, doing the right thing, advertising. You know, if you look back in history, like during the Great Crash, and this is an interesting story that I always love to refer to, but back in the 20s when we, you know, came out of the Roaring 20s and had just the Great Depression, you had two cereal companies that weren't really relevant because people were still eating at home and not getting into the cereal thing. But you had Kellogg's and Post, right? Well, Post mm -hmm. went, whoa, we're going to, we're going to pull back and do everything else. Kellogg's went out, doubled their advertising budget and said, Hey, we're the cost effective solution for people out there. And guess what? When the depression was over going into even world war two, they were two to one over the size of post because they went out and said, we're going to spread our message. We're going to give people a real and honest, 
you know, here, you can save some money by using our product instead of cooking these big breakfasts every morning. Here's another breakfast solution that'll save you some money. And guess what? They became the leader out there for the next hundred years on that. And it's amazing during these times that, that as a company, I think builders remodels, modelers on the smaller scale should think about what they're doing because there are long-term consequences for what you're doing. I, I love that story. And that is such a great one to, to be sharing with folks because uh, like you, I agree. Um, during the downtime, 2008, 2009, I was uh, the state president for our Home Builders Association, and I saw my company grow that year probably by 30%. And it was just because, you know, we didn't stop. And we have a tendency when stuff of natural disasters and circumstances like this fall into the place to just kind of settle in. Um, listen, you're in your office. You have time, extra time. And I love that we're spending it with family. Mm -hmm. But this is an opportunity to refocus on your company and make sure that – all the pieces that we wear too many hats already, right? But make sure all the pieces are lined up and that you do have a marketing strategy and that, oh, you know what? You were too busy, right? We've been pumping out proposals or you've been swinging a hammer for 12 hours a day and you just really wanted to get home and kiss the kids goodnight and have dinner with the wife and such. Well, now you got time during the day where you can focus on what's going to happen next because we may be slowing down a little bit with work right now, but once this is over, you got to be ready for the, the wave and that flood of work that's going to come in. And you want to make sure that your name's at the top of the list and people are calling you. Absolutely. And if you're thinking about doing a remodeling project out there, there's no problem getting into a queue for people, you know, right. call that builder Absolutely. model. If you're going to be doing something in the fall when this stuff most likely is going to be from, if you listen to the experts should be fairly wrapped up. You know, even in the worst case scenarios that I'm seeing, uh, get on the schedule for September 1st, you know, get on the schedule now, because that way you're on the schedule. If you wait till August 1st to go get on something on September, and it's what many people are predicting, they're going to be asking you, which September would you like to start? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so doing that stuff and getting, you know, doing that research from the homeowner point of view and. I don't think there's going to be a contractor out there that's not going to say, all right, well, let's get you through our process to get your name penciled in on the schedule, and then we can revisit it as time gets closer. And there's not a contractor out there that will, will bark at that at all. They would love that. You know, uh, keep calling. You know, we'd rather take the time up front to do all the planning. Eric, you know, as a designer, you know what time goes into that and how many changes will evolve. So give yourself that time now. And you're already home. You're home with the family. So you get to talk and make all those decisions and do all that research. Absolutely. You know, one of the things, I got an inter interesting conversation at the Ideas Show. My buddy uh, Jeff Devlin showed up, and he's uh, done that Stonehouse Revival and I think a bunch okay, of different yeah. shows on DIY Network, Bath Crashers, good buddy of mine. We got into the discussion, which I thought was an interesting one, of how he really hates free estimates. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you got a hot subject there that I could talk on for hours about. But he's like, I hate going out to a house and I'm going to have to spend 15 or 20 hours on this maybe three or $400,000 remodel project correctly estimating it out. And I'm going to work for 20 hours and not get paid. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's the downfall for our entire industry. You know, when we have 10 or 15 bids that are due and we're looking at it going with just me and one other person in the office, like, wow, how many, we don't have enough hours in the days to do all that. 
So you start to get into the danger zone of like square foot pricing and such. And you're like, well, that's, this is only ready. And this is what we do for our clients is this is just a ballpark. And how many other people do you have bidding on it? And if you have more than three bidding on it, why don't you give me some names? Because if you already have someone that I know that's good, then let them do it. Um, But if not, then here, I'm going to charge you for my proposal. It's not a estimate. It's not a guesstimate. This is a proposed proposal for your work to be done. Yep. But it's going to cost you because this Absolutely. is how much time is going to go into it. So it's just saying, I don't care what everybody else does. You and I will spend the time to work together to create the scope because you're probably going to go to somebody else and, and get a number to, to guarantee that my number's right. Or by the time I'm done working with you, you're just going to feel so comfortable that you don't need to. So a quick little engagement letter says, hey, I'm going to design this for you. We're going to go through this and work together. Uh, and it's going to incorporate up to, you know, 20 hours worth of labor. And here's the cost. So cut a check for $2,500 or $3,000, whatever it is, just so you have something. Yeah. And then, then you know, because otherwise, I mean, it's it's so crazy, especially when you're talking, you know, it doesn't really matter if you're dealing with siding or, or, or a kitchen or bathroom, you know, are you going to pick a, you know, very inexpensive $60 a square foot quartz, or are you going to jump up into 200 a square foot granite for the countertops? Right. You know, all mm-hmm. those things are super crazy when it comes down to that. And if you're not specifying that stuff, you have no idea what that's going to cost. You don't, you don't. I mean, you would know best, you know, because you have uh, the niche part of a market, right? As far as kitchen cabinets and sure. countertops. But when you look at your average builder, they're like, that's one more component out of the 400 that go into this house. Well, I can take a kitchen and I'm just going to just say, if we do this inexpensive as a remodel and I'm just going to set the low point, let's say it's $60,000 and you're putting in vinyl flooring and laminate countertops. And that's a $60,000 turnkey as a very entry-level kitchen. Mm -hmm. I can turn around and design that with premium products in that exact same space. And I'm not talking about doing other work, but just higher-end products. I can make that $150,000 kitchen without even blinking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and that's from coming from the the low-end Frigidaire appliances and the other one and throwing in... You know, Sub-Zero Wolf or, you know, putting in that Blue Star Range or, you know, the the Samsung Smart Hub refrigerator, you know, whatever. But the homeowner has as much in the is is as much in the driver's seat of what that project's going to cost as a contractor is. Absolutely. Absolutely are. And and they, especially as clients, don't know what all these options cost. Thanks, Home and Garden TV. You didn't you just didn't do us a favor. <laughs> hey, we're gonna flip this house and we're gonna do it for ten thousand dollars. No, you're not. Yeah, I, I I love the folks on those shows. I just don't love those shows for that purpose. But yes, oh, it yeah. does mean we have to do our job a little a little more diligently and and uh, educate our clients, right? Yeah. But, I mean, that's, I, that's, I have friends that do those shows and I, I still harass them all the time when I see them. And I go, why, why are why is the production company doing that to us? Because as somebody out in the field, you know, when you're working with people and, and they don't see that there was the craft made truck that showed up delivering cabinets. And if you see the brand, then it's not in the budget because those were given for free. You know, right. the, exactly. you know, the, the Kenmore truck was delivering the appliances. Well, great. The appliances were free. 
And when you start taking half the budget and making it free, and then you throw in some free labor, you got a pretty inexpensive project when you're looking at hard numbers. Yep, you most certainly do. And, and, and once you start taking away each one of those free things, it adds up really fast. Well, they're always big ticket items, right? Otherwise, mm-hmm. they would not be advertising like that in the show. So, you know, if you take out a, a five to $10,000 cabinet package or a five to $10,000 appliance package, and all of a sudden you see the, uh, you know, the, the DuPont Corian countertops going in for free, and all of a sudden you're looking at things going, all right, you just took the big, big pieces of the, of the materials budget out of the mix. I love when I sit down with a client and they do their homework, right? And they've checked into the appliances they want. They've checked into the countertops. They've checked into a bunch of the other components, there, the flooring. I just ran into this the other day. A uh, client had picked out a Mohawk flooring that they liked, um, and I, I was all in agreement. We gave them a number on uh, the flooring product because they had already researched all of it, right? Yeah. So they're here like, hey, you know, and then they got the bill for the finished product, and they're like, well, why is this, like, twice as much and i mean like well you you only priced the material yeah i was like you knew here here was our bid yeah we didn't understand where that bid came from but you had agreed that the number for the flooring was good i mean like it was that was that was a good number that was if i buy it from my supplier very similar in cost of what i would charge you for to begin with so yeah your number was spot on i go but we still had to rip out the old stuff and we still had to put the new stuff down there's labor that goes involved yeah. So they did a great job doing their homework, figuring out how the, how much their hard costs and material were. Exactly, exactly. And then got their head stuck on that. Yeah, it happens. How are they dealing so with uh, lead and asbestos out in your area? I mean, in uh, in Portland, we've got it pretty hard here in Oregon. I mean, we've got, uh, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that it's different. Like, for instance, here, if we've got some interesting regulations, which kind of mirror the, the federal stuff, but if I think it's 2,000, if I go to the landfill here in the city, with a truck full of building materials and I had drywall flooring and I have a project that was built before 2000, I think I have to have a lead and asbestos certification that the product is clean. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I actually stopped bringing my own stuff to the landfill. I have a beautiful dump trailer that uh, sits in our yard Mm -hmm. and moves bobcats and stuff around instead. Uh, just because uh, it was way easier for us just to order containers and dumpsters and allow uh, all of those companies to to manage that piece and those components. Because Yeah. Here it's interesting because if you're going to order a container to get dropped off at the job site, they say, okay, where's your asbestos test and certification saying that uh, you had to have a professional come out, take tests, do the lab samples, make sure that none of that contains that. Before they'll drop drop the uh, drop the box off for you there. Gotcha. No, we're not there yet, but I'm sure that's coming then because anything that you guys do on the West Coast, Massachusetts is next to follow. Yep, that's coming. And then the other one yeah. we've got here, which is kind of interesting, that just happened for City of Portland residents and the and the the micro economy of that. Um, if you own a home before 1941 and you want to tear it down, you have to do it with a certified contractor that will hand deconstruct and reuse the building materials out of it. Whoa, really? So you can't, let's say you even had a a fire that took, that damaged the outside of it. And it was a, you know, kind of one of those, what they call zombie houses out there. That's been pretty well trashed. Doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. You have to hire from prior to 1941. You have to hire a contractor that is on the city approved 
deconstruction list that knows how to do it. And they come in and deconstruct that house so they can reuse the building materials that are reusable. And uh, you cannot show up with the excavator and push it over. So, and, and their purpose behind that is just saying they want to save all this historic lumber. They want to reuse all it. they can. And I think, I think there's also, and I don't want to speak so much for them, but my opinion is that uh, they're also doing that, I think, to discourage those homes being pushed down. Yes, which is go. which is also interesting because they're also at the same time pushing to have these larger single family lots put into higher density stuff in Oregon. They just changed it here for the state that basically exempted zoning laws for residential and said that now you can put if you can fit four homes on a on a on a lot you know, then, then you can do it. So they've, they've had some very wow. conflicting stuff with that. So in one hand, they're making it expensive to, to push a house over to build the low income or, 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 or entry level housing. They've also made it very expensive to do the same thing. So you've kind of got this weird yin and yang thing going off where the right hand's not fully understanding what's going on the left hand, because all of a sudden, maybe what cost, uh, you know, 10,000 bucks to come in and knock a house down and haul it off, you might have 50 or 60 in there. And then we have these development fees in Portland where when you file your building permit for the new house, I've seen plenty of builders seeing $75,000 development fees from the city to pay for the new permit. Yeah. Well, now you've added maybe $150,000 to the price of what could be an affordable house. And you haven't even moved the dirt yet. And now it is no longer affordable at all. So that's the challenge. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a, a serious case of the cart before the horse sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And and that's not how you're going to get affordable housing, throwing all those fees on there. But I do understand trying to want to reuse stuff. But I'm also talking to guys yeah. that are in that process that are builders and remodelers that are finding out that that this old wood is not coming apart that easily. And so... There's a lot of waste. You're not getting the the the, you know, you're not getting the 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 right amount of materials out of that house because by the time they get in there and cut it up, is it really that usable? You know, when you've got you know seventy five or a hundred year olds nails holding stuff together, can you really pull it apart and let it be reusable? Well, you had me sold when you you said the second part is maybe they're trying to deter people from just demoing these, right? And yeah. maybe take a little pride in them, uh, revamp them, you know, maybe deconstruct a portion of it yourself, but then add on to it and make it your own. I yeah. totally get that. I embrace that. Uh, but I'm right on the, uh, in line with you as far as when you deconstruct these houses, and, and we've done it many a times just because. We do try to save, and, and and especially with kitchens, you know. I mean, yeah. I don't care if the kitchen is 15 years old. Those cabinets might be really good for somebody else. So we do. We deconstruct yeah. them. We have a couple different uh, charities here that will come and pick them up afterwards uh, and then sell them off or, or give them off to homeowners. So fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but there's, there's so much damage that's done during that process that you're right. I bet you on that house, if you plan on, on walking out with 50% of those materials – uh, you're probably 75% off. You're only going to walk out with 15 to 20% at best. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that yield is probably not going to come out of that like you'd expect it to. Cause you know, and, the, and I think also the other thing I think you got to take into account is worker safety. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're up there trying to deconstruct a roofing system on a house 
and you don't know what you're doing, which I think is what they're trying to address by doing by doing this with um, with these certified people. And many times you have to have an asbestos technician on site because now you're removing cabinets and maybe there's asbestos flooring under the kitchen that somebody put in that they just, you know, overlaid it. Now you're having to take all this stuff back apart. So there can be there can be a lot of hidden details because. You know, if somebody did the job right and said, oh, I'm, I'm going to leave that asbestos flooring. I'm just going to lay down another veneer of, of uh, quarter-inch plywood and put some new vinyl over the top of it instead of disturbing it. Now you're having to hand to deconstruct that. So that's another interesting part. Yep. Yeah. You're, there, you're definitely going to have your hands full with that out there. So I think that's one of those things that I think might go across the country. I just I'm curious to see how this experiment here works to see if it's actually doing what they maybe anticipated to do. That's my thing. Mm. So, well, well, we'll keep an eye out for that by all means, because, uh, Massachusetts, we have our, our own board that reviews everything. Uh, there's still a few things for, you know, Boston areas and different things that they make all of their own code or amendments to the code, of course. Sure. But, um, you know, I just, I, I would, you know, we have some of the oldest housing in history. I love that there. Right? That's, I love New England for that. I mean, here, if I'm working on a, a 1905 house, that's a rare deal out here. We do have 1,800 houses, but, I mean, for us, that's that's an old house. And for you guys, that's a new house. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Very we'll, we'll cool. see how that plays out. Absolutely. Walt, thanks for coming on the show, brother. Oh, I Eric, appreciate any time, brother. Happy, happy to. This was this was a blast. We should do it again. We're gonna do this again next time. We're gonna do this. You and I are gonna be sitting in a in a in a pub someplace, and we'll do it over cocktails, and we'll, we'll do, record it. Uh, we'll do a happy hour segment. Well, that that beer will be on me, buddy. Hey, sounds good. Thanks awesome. for coming on the show, buddy. I appreciate Walt Samala, TNT Contracting. Thanks for coming on, brother. Take care, brother. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to my interview with Walt Samala from TNT General Contracting. You can always catch him and I working together on plenty of stages across the country doing our public speaking to contractors, the trade, and designers. So thanks for listening to this first episode of the Around the House Pro Insider. Stay tuned to next week. Every single Thursday, we'll have another episode where we do interviews, talking trades, talking construction, talking design, and everything in between. Thanks for listening to Around the House. Around the House with Eric G is produced by, designed by Eric G in association with Salem Media and distributed nationally by the Sun Broadcast Group. All rights reserved. Copyright 2020 designed by Eric G. We will be back next week. If you missed part of the show, check out the podcast of all of our shows at aroundthehouseonline.com. Remember, measure with a micrometer, mark with caulk, and cut with an axe. Thanks for listening to Around the House.